Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcasts. Podcast. We're your hosts, Andy, covering Justice number three, and I'm Stephen with DP seven number three. All right. So again, the the New Universe was a self-contained universe and imprint from Marvel Comics, started by Jim Shooter in 1986 with the launch of eight new ongoing titles. Uh, to celebrate Marvel's 25th anniversary, or at least 25th anniversary of superheroes. Uh, It was intended to be more realistic, without magic, aliens, no secret histories, maybe a couple of aliens. Uh, And us, we're two chemists and comic book readers who are reading through the new universe two books a week uh, in the order they're released. So we'll describe them and comment as we go. I also give advertising copy and solicitations from the Marvel checklist or Marvel age when available um, because back in 1986, that's all the previews you got. All right. So uh, this week I'll be covering justice. Justice is an alien, right? No aliens, an alien knight (laughs) exiled to earth by his enemies with no way to return to his home dimension. He meets out justice to evildoers everywhere. And in fact, the solicitation this week is justice meets conquest in a face-to-face battle that's bound to turn heads. And if justice should survive that, he'll have to take on the Yakuza assassin known only as Tattoo, written by Archie Goodwin, penciled by Jeff Isherwood, inked by Joe Delpito, 75 cents. Almost all of that is, in fact, not true. Justice, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. This week, I'll be covering DP7. DP7 focuses on a group of seven paranormals on the run from a sinister medical facility created to deal with the booming paranormal population. This week, the solicitation is, the seven paranormals discover a terrible twist to the old adage, you can't go home again, in Burning Bridges. Written by Mark Gruenwald, penciled by Paul Ryan, and inked by Romeo Tangal. 75 cents. That is a little closer to the mark this week. And the um, creative team for DP7, as we've said, was the most consistent in the new universe. Yeah, so we actually get them. And we may spend a little time, if we have time, talking about uh, uh, a recap and our favorites from issue three. But... So we'll start with Justice Issue 3, this um, Issue 3, our title on the cover is Havoc on the Highway. I've got a nice picture of Justice battling sort of wrapped up in this weird green cobra alien, uh, having a chomp on our poor Justice here. Actually kind of looks like it bit his hand off, a little bit of a spoiler, we'll see. Um, and then a cab with a man kind of crumpled out in the background. So um, last issue, we left them going on a road trip with Justice being driven by a cab driver. Uh, so it looks like we're going to get some action this issue. Indeed. But uh, and in fact, our writer in this case is Steve Englehart and uh, not Archie Goodwin. Our artist uh, is Jeff Isherwood. Um, so they got that part right. Pretty much that's all that they got right. Uh, Engelhart, in fact, we get up through issue five and then it looks like a gap and then he does issue seven for us. So uh, 
I see this issue as um, redemption for Steve Englehart, whether he needed it from me or not, because uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy the, the writing that much in his last issue, uh, but I thought it was perfectly good this time around. Yeah, taking justice out of New York, where, which we, you know, well-trod territory for superhero action and putting him on a road trip seems like a good gave it a little spice of life there yeah yeah everybody loves a road trip so um so yeah we start and uh, again new universe tradition the inside cover splash page is uh, give this comic a new name out by exit 14. I thought that might be like a reference to something like a song or something. I couldn't find anything. Hmm. Any thoughts? No, maybe the writer or artist has a connection with Oklahoma and maybe there really is an exit 14 and diner. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I didn't look that up though. I, I suppose I should have free advertising for you, Rosie. Yeah. I like Rosie. Um, but yeah, so we open in a roadside diner, uh, the site of many movie confrontations between angry locals and our title characters who uh, usually either don't like the look of someone or uh, said the wrong thing. And you know, there's always somebody getting confronted while they're trying to eat their meal. Um, though we don't follow that trope in this case. Uh, we open with uh, Justice and our cabbie coming in. There's, there's a lot of time spent talking about bucks. So uh, Justice doesn't really understand the world he's in. He doesn't really understand money that well. So it's a good thing I still have 16,000 bucks of the 20,000 I got from the dope dealer. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, That's he robbed some drug dealers and got their sick money. <laughs> it sounds kind of sketchy when you put it like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, typical New York City guy. Always getting his money from drug dealers. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. so yeah, we get a little bit of recap. Uh, you know, he paid the cabbie like ten thousand dollars to drive him to California. Um, so while last issue we had kind of wished that uh, the dragon lady was from the club was going to be carting him around and uh, showing him the world, we get the cab driver. So we get what we get. Um, they're in Oklahoma. And the cab driver has, does have a name. He was just cabby last issue. Oh, okay. Arnie. That sounds like a cab driver name. Hey, Arnie. He's got the kind of like, oh, what's the name of that that style of cap? Uh, page uh, boy or newsboy? Yeah, kind of like a newsboy cap, yeah. Oklahoma's okay. Did you see the message on the number plates? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Arnie and Tenson argue about food. Uh, Justice is tired of eating hamburgers and french fries, which Arnie keeps trying to order it for him. Um, he ends up picking some random food off the menu, getting uh, grits, hot fudge sundae, and a chicken fried steak. He's like, do you have any idea what any of those things are? He's like, no, and I'm tired of not knowing. Tired of not knowing so much. So... Maybe that's how, how uh, to know about chicken felt fried. to me. But what's that? That's how grad school felt to me. <laughs> Tired of not knowing. It never got any better for me. I don't know about you. Not knowing so much. Yeah. yeah the if 
Tencent asks for uh, venison, which I don't know. I, I think the waitress would probably be able to bring him. I mean, they're all over the country. I don't know. Arnie, I can imagine being a New Yorker, you know, thinks uh, that you, that's as alien as uh, whatever Tencent eats back home. But uh, I kind of yeah. like the idea that you... Uh, just find a couple of the hunters uh, hanging out at the diner. You could have um, gotten your favorite meal. Yeah. No luck, though. All right. So uh, Arnie kind of recaps the story a little bit for us. Uh, he's a justice warrior uh, tracking Damon Conquest, uh, all of the criminals and, and uh, uh, fights he's been in so far have implicated uh, Damon Conquest out in California. So that's, that's where they're headed. Um, and again, kind of talk about how it's dangerous. He gets his food. Um, and as he's, you know, just thinking through talk, oh, there's a nice moment with Rosie. <laughs> I like Rosie. Uh, she says, I made that steak special for our visitor. We aim to send a man away satisfied at Rosie's diner. <laughs> so, Why? Well, thank you, miss. Rosie will do handsome. So I think she's <laughs> maybe has a double meaning with satisfied there. But justice isn't picking up on it. But her aura is. Yeah, aura is sweet. sweet. Like maple syrup. He doesn't actually say that. I added that part. <laughs> so again, he's trying to figure out bucks. But then he kind of notices something's going on. And he basically runs out, knocks some poor guy over by the pinball machine, runs out into the road, and there's a car coming. Um, so. Uh, when he when he left New York City, uh, he was also tailed by um, Becky Chambers and uh, our good friend Hoyt Pittman. Uh, but he was able to see him coming uh, or sense them coming, runs out into the road, stops their car, and just pokes his head in the window and says, Hello, Miss Chambers. I'd love to see <laughs> you again so soon. Hello, Hoyt Pittman. <laughs> so they're, they're trying to uh, be discreet, right? Like they were tailing him. They were trying to see what he was up to. And he just runs out into the road and it's like, hi, guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> What's up? Thanks for coming to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, it's a good uh, reversal of expectations there. Um, yeah, I like that little moment. There's a nice panel of him just pointing his head into the window. It's like, hi. <laughs> uh, Hoyt is apparently having none of it, though, right? So, you know, Becky is, is more... Uh, more forgiving and kind of curious, I think, about what's going on in his world. And she actually uh, had interactions with the aliens that they fought off last issue. Um, so she's talking to him and Pittman, of course, just pulls out his gun, right? You're figuring on killing us like you killed John Paul. You're a mite too slow for a Texas boy. So apparently Hoyt Pittman is Texan. Quick on the draw, near his home state in Oklahoma there. Um, so yeah, he, he mentions, yeah, I came to greet you because I saw Miss Chambers' golden aura. So again, he's got that connection. Uh, they talk a little bit about the fight with the hounds from last issue. Um, but, but yeah, Hoyt's having none of it. He's really amped up. Um, yeah, this is horse pucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Is that a Texan saying? Comics code approved. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Pucky, though, I mean. I don't think I've ever even heard that. Could have said poop. 
No, you don't think so? I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a Texas thing. I, yeah. So again, you know, he's back away. We're seeing what he can do. This guy's um, basically fires a warning shot. So, you know, Pittman means business. Chambers is kind of trying to cool him down. Uh, and Tenson is trying to hold back. Like, he realizes that Hoyt Pittman's not bad. He's just kind of confused and not really sure and, and misguided, he says. Uh, so he kind of blasts him away with his shield. Uh, knocks Pittman down, is kind of holding him back. You know, tries, try as you will, you won't be able to breach my shield. It's like, you just don't mind if I just make sure, son, give me your piece, Becky. So, again, he's he's really going after it. Uh, Chambers gives him the gun, takes a couple more shots at the shield. Um, the shield repels bullets, though, and there's a couple of ricochets that almost hit the truck driver, but they, they survive. Uh, Going to hit the deck. Uh, you can't hold me. Hoyt, I'm sorry. You can't hold me, Hoyt Pittman. I love how he says his me. full name all the time. I'm going to see Damon Conquest. I am going to see Damon Conquest wherever you do. Uh, so why not end this skulking around and drive with Arnie and me, Miss Chambers, to Los Angeles? Right. So, hey, join me on my road trip. It's <laughs> getting more promising all the time. The yeah. wackiness just keeps escalating. Hoyt Pittman needs to use the bathroom again. Come on, Hoyt. We just stopped five minutes ago. <laughs> Hoyt got nervous. Hoyt Pittman doesn't like it when there's somebody in the other stall. But anyway, so he's like, no chance. Slams the gun on the ground. He's really lost his cool. Um, but I didn't notice the gun on the ground before. What the hell, dude? <laughs> he's kind of... Uh, it, I think he was supposed to be bleeding from the nose, uh, but the colorist gave it white, so he just kind of looks like sweat or snot uh, because he kind of got smacked in the face by the shield. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. But yeah, yeah I think he's supposed to be kind of bleeding. Uh, it looks a little bit better on the next page, uh, but Chambers kind of talks him down. You know, people from the diner come out and they're trying to figure out what's going on, but they manage to kind of smooth things over. Um, and they're like, all right, let's let's go, let's sit down and talk, um, and we get a, some more. You know, we'll give Hoyt Pittman his due. Uh, this issue, uh, shoot. Well, as long as we're all buddies now, I need to clean up a little. Go ahead, Pitt. I've got the situation covered, Becky. If there's any doubt, there isn't. So, he's a, so he cools down pretty quick, but he's a little suspicious still. You know, goes off to the bathroom to clean up. Um, Chambers wants to talk to Tenson, so she sends the cabbie to go sit in another booth um, to kind of settle everyone down. All right, so again, um, trying to figure out where they're, where they're going. Um, you get an interesting little typo here uh, where they're talking about conquest and say, you know why I'm going? You know why I'm going, but Marty Roth both Marty Roth and the Hound said Demon Conquest was their backer in crime. Uh, his name's Damon Conquest. He's also some sort of evil alien. So it's kind of interesting that they mis, uh, mistyped that one up as Demon Conquest. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a Freudian slip there. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But, um... And uh, Chambers says, I didn't hear Marty and you were torturing the hound he would have said anything right so she's you know still a little skeptical uh, conquest is a respected if maybe a little bit questionable businessman in the current world that they're living in 
she says he's suspected of a lot of things, but there's never been proven guilty of anything. But I've seen you kill five people, but you know I'm right. <laughs> yes, I do now. Our auras mingled, Miss Chambers. She, she doesn't even know the half of it. I, uh, she's... Yeah. <laughs> and we got a peek into Tencent's world uh, and kind of some of the characters from their last issue, uh, but he doesn't really remember it. Most All he really remembers is he's figured out he's a justice warrior and uh, he remembers being sort of ambushed uh, before he was sent to our universe. Uh, but yeah, he, he's been regularly obsessed with uh, our Department of Justice agent Becky Chambers and her golden aura, which is both rare and amazing and also the same as his girlfriend back home. It's a, uh, yeah. I'm, Who I'm was not... a queen of some kind or a princess? Yeah, she seemed to be like there was the queen and the king and he was uh, had a relationship with an illicit relationship with the queen um eliandra i forget her name yeah I forget um, and um yeah there, there's definitely like some connection or similarity between the two that he like immediately gravitates towards um so he let's see so he has a clear white light in him and he's interested in the golden purity in her Yep, so white is good, gold is good, green is bad. And there's also a little bit of here, she's been calling him J-Man a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, she, she, he calls her Miss Chambers until she says, uh, for pity's sake, call me Becky. So they're getting more familiar all the time. But. Yeah, well, I mean, J-Man is a step up from John Doe. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Justice or Tenson is a is a better name. I'm I'm conflicted too whether to call him Tenson or Justice. Right, he's kind of the title character, but that's not quite his name. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, interesting little clues. We don't really quite understand auras uh, so far in this book, other than it's what he can use to kind of tell uh, whether people are good or bad. Uh, so I'm not sure what the meaning is of the clear white aura. You know, you know, I'm as human as you are, Becky, but if you're worried about mixing gold light with clear light, it's like, uh, <laughs> right, tell me again who you are. He's like, okay. So, but yeah, I'm not sure, you know, is it, is it like a punt squares, right? Like you mix the gold and the white and there's a 50% chance to get one. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, it, seems like it's um the, the it's a type of magic you know that yeah. we don't sort of have the key to yet and yeah I, we were kind of hoping this you know that i don't know mostly i know you know from books or, or role-playing games that sort of ways of approaching magic and kind of trying to quantify it and say you know good magic or bad magic and how you you either have a lot of it or you you, you know nothing you're just immune to it yeah we don't know what the magic system is right uh so he's given her kind of like a mind meld uh recap of you know what he remembers uh he, I like, he throws in uh them two kissing from last issue um i think yeah so um so he's kind of sharing his memories with her 
Um, um, but this enrages our good friend, Hoyt Pittman, uh, who's coming out of the bathroom pissed. All right, so he's knocking stuff over. He's like, hey, yeah, let's get out of here, the Becky. the door off the hinge there? Is that what it is? Yeah, he's like, knock the door off. Let's get back in our car and do what we set out to do. Follow me? <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to sneaking around and not having... Tell you, son, I'm not climbing into the same car as you unless you're wearing cuffs. All right, so it's a little weird that he's so mad where he had already calmed down before. Um, whether it's because he was touching Becky or for some other sinister reason. I mean, I kind of know because I read ahead, but I won't spoil it just now. Um, again, I had the chance to kill you and anytime I want it, but I don't want it. I read your aura. I know you're, you're a dedicated justice agent. Right, so shoot. He, he also says that, yeah, that I think correctly analyzes that Hoyt is has a thing for Becky himself. And so it's yeah. maybe a little more overprotective of her than he might be otherwise. Yeah, jealousy, all sorts of problems here. Um, but he got to eat his chicken fried steak, or at least a little bit of it. Uh, you know, they say their goodbyes to Rosie. Hope they have grits in Los Angeles. <laughs> Hope so too, Hanson. Come back and see us. You know, Rosie's hopeful. Um, we get a peek. Actually, I'm noticing this for the first time as he's saying goodbye. There's a character in the foreground with some tattoos, um, carrying a nice steaming cup of coffee. It's got like a spider on his forehead. Uh, the solicitation mentioned a yakuza tattoo dude. Um, could this be him? But he's just hanging out now. Hmm. So Hoyt puts uh, Hoyt puts Tenson up in the front, calls him J-Man. He's like, my name's Tenson. Call me Justice if you prefer, but not J-Man. It's disrespectful, right? So he's getting tired of being called J-Man. Me too. I could get behind that. You know, after a quick failed attempt to use the cab radio to call the, the, the authorities, um, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, then action strikes. So big change here. Um, Hoyt's in the back. A serpent green alien thing rips out of the back of the poor man's neck. Uh, and says, time enough to do what I have to do. So it's an evil talking thing. Basically clamps right onto Justice's right hand. Uh, and the car drives off a bridge. <laughs> so boom action yeah huge uh shift here arnie is um he's not directly injured but he's obviously like what the hell is that and so yeah driving off the road is probably makes sense um i don't think i can't they they, they don't seem to have gotten very far at all from the diner like they're just barely getting back on the highway and saying where they're at and it's like Oh, and saying that it's super dark. Yeah. It's always like dark or cold, and then something goes bad. And this thing is pretty good. It, I mean, it just pops out of the back of Hoyt's neck and is, is talking to him while it starts eating him. Yeah. Holy cow. And, and every bad guy name drops Damon Justice, right? So, like, they are not trying to keep him a secret, <laughs> sort yeah. of. Right, compliments of Damon Conquest, Justice Warrior. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
so yeah it's a pretty cool scene um the the, the car you know nose dives you know because they went sort of off a bridge into you know kind of looks like one of those la uh you know kind of aqueduct uh yeah you know, yeah that's what i was thinking kind of spots um you know, to take care of floodwaters uh, but the cab's toast uh justice and the snake creature get launched uh basically ejected from the cab uh it's about the size of a large snake it's not huge not as big as it was in the cover but it's just totally clamped onto uh, his hand you know it won't come off teeth hundreds of teeth locked shut can't throw my sword so it's clamped onto his sword arm uh, tries the shield doesn't do anything you know he, and I guess his hand needs to be open to to throw the the sword, mm. and it's closed, and he can't open it. Either. Yeah. So he so he mentions he's mostly trained one hand sword, one hand shield, but you know dire dire situation. He can in fact use his left hand to shoot the sword, so he does. You know, roasting the alien, um, but maybe with some consequences. So he's hurt, uh, but he did take care of the snake. Yeah, that's <laughs> the uh, there's a nice close up of him in pain, and uh, yeah, that that was a uh, sacrifice play there. Yeah, and this is the first time he's been in any real trouble. Issue one, you know, he's like the Terminator, and you know, bad guys stood no chance. Issue two had a little bit of trouble with the hounds because he couldn't use his powers on them, but you know, he was able to take them down uh, without too much trouble, right? To kind of rely on his training. And now he's hurt. Uh, Hoyt Pittman's, you know, slumped over in the upside down cab, you know, clearly dead. Um, Chambers is okay. The cabbie's more hurt. He's, he's unconscious. Uh, and then we notice, oh my God, your hand. Uh, Justice is now a one-handed dude. <laughs> so. And I, I mean, Justice goes from like my hand and then the next panel, Becky, Arnie, he is like, you know, goes over to help them out. And it's like, you know, they only notice this once that he's pulled them out. Like, oh my God, dude, your hand has been blown off. So he yeah. really does think of others. Uh, yeah, the first thing he does. Yep. Justice warrior through and through and the art kind of obscures it. So it's hard to tell right away uh, until we get a nice close up view of the stump because yeah, there's no hand left. <laughs> uh, so, of course, as movies do, the car explodes because all cars that crash explode. <laughs> they kind of drag. Uh, so I guess there there goes Pittman's body, too. Uh, not much left to him, but they've dragged the cabbie to safety. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, Jet Tenson then thinks, it's like, oh, well, it happened at Rosie's. It must have happened there while he was in the men's room. Something changed him, something that's still there. We have to save them. Jess, so J-Man, Jess, J-U-S-S, getting a little more familiar. <laughs> you can't. Even worse. <laughs> justice, Becky, justice. Ah oh, man, I got one hand. Just at least call me by my right name. What <laughs> right. to do to impress you? Yeah. So they leave Arnie in the ditch because um, she doesn't want to abandon uh, Tenson. They run back to the diner, but it's dark there. All the lights are out. 
And they make it outside, and it looks busted up, and everybody's dead. Oh, Rosie. Literally everybody, yeah. Outside, inside. Just pile, just bodies everywhere. Yeah. Which, it's effective, right? They did a good job, you know? So, didn't introduce a lot of characters there, but, you know, they were nice people. Their auras checked out. Rosie was flirting with them like crazy. Yeah, so this is... Again, why I kind of said the, the writer sort of redeemed himself, in my eyes at least. Yeah, you kind of make you care about these background characters. You drive off thinking everything's fine. Huge action scene. They come back, you know. So now it's not just a bunch of random people that are dead. You know, it's, it's Rosie, right? And all of her regulars. It's like if everyone at Cheers got murdered after you liked that show, you know? So good writing there, I'd say. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's, yeah, out of the frying pan into the fire, he's just like, you know, oh, I'm, not only did this thing just take off my hand, but now I, I realize that I missed my chance to save these poor people and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. So our conquest perhaps is a, is a match for justice here, right? So you know, he's been able to roll through everything up until this point, right? So he says, witnesses, yeah. So you know, they they saw what I could do. They heard me mention conquest. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. He's kind of blaming himself a little bit. Um, interesting that you know they want to cover their tracks after the, everything seems to like to mention <laughs> conquest's name to justice. But um, so you know, cool '80s. Uh, sports car peels out on the outside of the diner. Um, a, so somebody's still alive. Uh, Justice knows that it was nobody up to good, so he kind of tracks down the car, jumps on top of the roof, and then we get a nice kind of evil grinning look at um, our character from before. So that guy in the foreground with the funky tattoo, uh, we don't see much of him, just kind of his eyes, and he's got kind of like a spider bug forehead. You know, almost like where Superman has his S curl, that little widow's peak. Uh, he's got a creepy bug bug face. Yeah, it's a it's a really effective kind of a stare that the guy has. The look on his face is just sort of um, like a yeah, sort of crazy and malevolent. Yeah, and he doesn't um, even say anything. He's not like ha ha ha. You couldn't save them, justice or anything kind of cartoonish. It's just kind of like that knowing I mean, grin of like he won. Yeah, he, I get, yeah, so he goes down the road a little bit. Justice is following out. He turns around, spins back, and is trying to run Justice down. And I'm, yeah. kind is kind of bouncing him off the, the roof. I'm not sure how effective it is, but. Yeah, so he grabs on, maybe hits the, it's a little hard to tell from the scene. Maybe the car hits the brakes and sends Justice flying, and then kind of drives off. Um, Becky says, it's madness, madness. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and Tenson says, the wizards of the winter lands. Right, so he's starting to remember more. It uh, is madness. <laughs> yeah. Tenson's also mad. Wizards? Yeah. The eternal foes of a justice warrior? I remember that now. I don't know. Before, I don't remember how evil. <laughs> so he's a little messed up. And we got to get you to a doctor. You know, his eyes go red. He's like... You, you've changed, haven't you? Have you? No, same gold. So he's freaking out, but sees her gold aura, which reassures him. 
Uh, says, okay. <laughs> Passes it out. And she calls him Juss again. One last yeah. time. Maybe she's trying to enrage him back to wickedness, like <laughs> annoying him with nicknames again. If I disrespect your title some more, will you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing they're a team now. So she says, we'll get them. Okay, Jess, I swear it. We'll get them. I swear. Uh, so she's kind of hugging him as he passed out. And then our last page uh, cuts back to Los Angeles, the home of Conquest. Uh, so good news back, bad news, Damon. The ninja I set to follow justice saved us from major, major exposure and with brilliant extemporization almost rid us of the man himself. Um, justice is severely wound, wounded and Pittman is dead. Thereafter, Pittman, man, I mean, seemed like a bit player. Yeah. I, bad like, guys just needed to get Hoyt Pittman out of the way. Damon would... If Hoyt had showed up at the final confrontation in L.A., who are you? Okay, Justice, I know. And maybe Chambers, but Hoyt Pittman? Hoyt Pittman. <laughs> well, he said his name enough times that uh, people started to take him serious. Um, so, yeah. So, the, the son is Damon. The father is the more mysterious. Haven't quite run into, seen too much of him yet. Um, son says, you know, let's get rid of Becky Chambers. The father says, no, you know, that would just drive justice to really even just be focused and dead set on getting his revenge on us. You know, we can use her, you know, maybe in a trap or to manipulate him somehow. Um, and we end with, you know, I'm good. That's what I've wanted you to sell to say, <laughs> I think there's another typo there, to say mm -hmm. all along, here in my lair, I'm at the peak of my powers. I'll get him dead, I swear. <laughs> Damon Conquest is still kind of like a lame bad guy, because he's- He kind of looks like a 50s, like teenager, like movie character, like- Sort of. Kind of preppy, I guess, bad guy. I don't know. Yeah. So next. Shangra LA. <laughs> LA. Yeah, it's in. So Damon actually says that the wound will heal. Although, how well is a uh, question since Justice remembers so little of his training. But um, yeah, so they, they, they do expect that he won't be the one armed to Justice forever. But um, hmm. um, yeah, I'm expecting that looks pretty, pretty severe. But. Yeah. He can still use his sword, which is good, but maybe it's less powerful. We're not really sure. Yeah, if you, I mean, for him, yeah, if he could, if he had one arm, but he could switch from sword to shield, I'm not sure if, like, yeah, you, he needed to use both at the same time before, but. Um, yeah, they like can't use both at the same time. It's either one or the other. That was the deal, but yeah. yeah that works well. I, I think that's, that ideas kind of evolving as we go yeah um so yeah they call him a, a ninja and the, the preview had called him a yakuza assassin yeah it's all Damon confusing. had talked about like having japanese connections and things before so that would have been kind of an interesting thing to have a little more japanese culture as part of this like connection to the other world 
Yeah, in the first issue, there was that thing where he kind of like made his uh, subordinate business dude cut off his finger, which is unpleasant, but in sort of a Yakuza tradition, but didn't necessarily get the impression then that it was, you know, he was following that kind of, uh, that he had actual Japanese connections or not, but maybe maybe that'll get a little bit tighter. Yeah, I think um, these previews uh, always have um, like that your code name in bold. And since the new universe so rarely sticks with your code name, um, calling someone tattoo in like bold and you're like, oh, there's a guy named tattoo, but then it's just a tattooed guy, you know? Yeah. Whoever writes these things is used to these things being very like, over the top, I guess, but anyway. Yeah, um, changing. So, um, yeah. there, there was a, uh, I don't know if you remember Sandman. Um, there was an, in the first arc, there was um, a scene in a diner that, that kind of this reminded me of called, uh, I think 24 hours. Okay. Like um, the guy who had stolen Sandman's power like slowly um, killing all these people who were stuck in a diner with him or something. Ah, okay. Yeah, I haven't read that, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a, I mean, one more case of Neil Gaiman ripping off the new universe. That weasel. Okay, Night Mask meets Justice Number Three. Okay, we get it, Neil. <laughs> Only he could come up with his own original ideas would be madness so um yes i think the the um switch out of arnie for i guess rebecca that is you know so we're going forward with the road trip but it's going to be becky instead of the cabbie we think i mean he could still stick around that's true yeah good they kind of ditched him on the side of the road but they were going to get a doctor's (laughs) Should probably send him home with his ten thousand bucks, and then uh, just let him try to not die. <laughs> okay, so what grade would you give our issue number three of Justice? Um, I enjoy the uh, view of life, life in a flyover state. We don't get a lot of that. Um, uh, the action, um, things sort of moving, uh, twisting, uh, plot twists. I'll um, I'll say like a B plus at least. I'm kind of borderline to even A minus. Okay. Yeah, I'm comfortable with B plus. Yeah, I won't try and talk you out of it. <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed this one a lot. You know, both issues for this week. I read. They were fun. I enjoyed. Um, I'll, I'll go a little higher. Uh, I like this quite a lot. It's good action, uh, good characters. I'm a little sad to see Hoyt Pittman die, but if I'm sad to see a character die, that means that they made me care about it, right? Maybe even if he was just a name. And then we learned he was from Texas, and now he's dead. <laughs> so yeah, A- for me. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back with DP7. All right.
welcome back. Now it's uh, my turn to uh, talk about DP7 number three. And remember, DP is displaced paranormals. So this week's uh, hit the newsstands on October 7th, 1986. And I wanted, um, the cover is pretty good. It's got a uh, police car uh, with a couple of cops in it being attacked by three of the DP7. Um, Dave uh, Mastodon, Antibody, and Jeff Blur, all uh, um, beating up on some random cops, as apparently. Um, the seems unlike our uh, our heroes to uh, pick it on the police like that. So something must be something else going on. DP Seven, what happened to you? Did you go bad? That would also be a good story, probably. Like, but yeah. so I pointed out. Um, before the show that um, there's an interesting sort of tint to the um, trade dress. The, all the new universe titles have this black border around them with the words new universe at the top of the covers. And up till now, I believe those have all been in white or maybe yellow. And I couldn't tell whether that was just the yellowing of the paper over time. Some of these aren't the uh, best poly bagged issues I have. But uh, this one is, uh, there's a very uh, definable uh, light blue tint to the new universe, um, which is, is good. I mean, it could be a, a nice way to show you which weeks we're in or even have titles have individual colors. I don't know. It's, uh, I'd be happy to, to uh, for them to explore some good uh, ideas with branding um, with the new universe. But I think they must have really popped on the newsstand back then um, because it's easy to see you know, what they belong to and what they are. So um, turning inside, we've got a splash page and the title of uh, today's story is in fact, Loose Ends, Loose Ends. But it is by Mark Gruenwald writing, Paul Ryan penciling, and Romeo Tangal inking um, again. And they start off with um, Randy O'Brien, Antibody, and Stephanie Harrington? Um, yeah. Viva, maybe? I don't think anyone's called her yet, that yet in action. Um, with a couple of uh, policemen maybe state troopers, and they're in, as the narration box says, the woods outside Reedville, Wisconsin, which according to the map is kind of in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Seems about right. So it's some uh, woods, and this is uh, where DP7 had left the clinic's three um, opponents, um, the hunters. The hunters, yes, from last episode, last issue. And uh, Randy is saying to the cops, I think we were attacked right around here. Um, so uh, he doesn't find who, who he's looking for, these hunters. And uh, the cops are saying, asking him about his story that he'd been, he and his wife 
Stephanie, who's not his wife, had been attacked randomly by three hunters. Um, well, he's, uh, he starts um, sort of reminiscing about what happened in the last issue, which is um, he and the other uh, displaced paranormals had escaped from the clinic where they were being brainwashed, they thought. They'd stolen a bus and then been attacked by three hunters who had come from the clinic to take them back. Each of these three hunters had also paranormal powers, um, but they were beaten and sort of left tied up. Um, and so he was hoping he could get these cops on their case and sort of, you know, keep them off their, their trail. Um, but the, the hunters have freed themselves or been freed. And the cops, as they go over this story, Mister, your story has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. <laughs> Which kind of Swiss cheese? Because some of them have more holes than others. <laughs> so here we get maybe the, the uh, suspicious cop trope uh, very well developed, you know. It's, yeah. We're just saying, How exactly you know, did you two, <laughs> husband and wife, overpower and tie up three hunters? Yeah. Why are yeah. you out here? Where's your car? <laughs> Yeah, everything is just like, what, huh? What? Um, they don't so, have good responses to these questions. Yeah, so the guy, one of the guys says, hey, Gus, what if these two know anything about that Greyhound bus that was stolen and abandoned 15 miles from here? You and I might think, well, that's a pretty random event to tie to a couple of strangers, but... Yeah, okay. but if you're in like small town Wisconsin, like not much goes on other than like speeding tickets and domestic violence. Like they probably like weird attack by hunters and you know bus hijacking would be like the two most exciting things ever to happen in Redfield, Redfield. Wisconsin. Redfield. Yeah. Yeah. You may be right. Yeah. Well, things are going to get even more exciting now. Oh, yeah. All right, you two. How about driving with us back to the station? And Randy's like, oh, I didn't want this to happen. And then suddenly the antibody reaches his arm out of him and <laughs> sucker punches the cop who's uh, manhandling him. <laughs> the other cop, because there's two of them, pulls his gun and is, uh, all right, hands on your head. And Stephanie um, attacks him. She thinks, oh, I guess Randy decided we should run for it. They, of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Antibody decided. Yeah, the decision was made. But um, Stephanie has been, uh, mostly we talk about her healing powers, but she's also faster and stronger. Yeah. So she's- um, Got a little bit of Captain America. Yeah, she's, she's developing here. It kind of reminds me like the mutants in X-Men were usually like tougher and stronger than, you know, normies um even like the most generic mutant would be able to like take a beating or something and so uh, apparently a, de a a paranormal has some enhanced toughness or or strength i always or, thought that was just lazy comic book writing you know it's like all the like punches and kicks to the head and getting knocked off buildings never seems to really bother any of the superheroes even if they're not like powered up you know yeah, I mean, it's a 
I'm honestly not sure whether it's just Stephanie and that's just part of her power portfolio. I think it is. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess Randy doesn't seem like he's stronger or faster than he had been before. Or certainly he never says he is. Yeah. yeah. Neither so, is Dennis or such. Yeah. So let's see. So the the cop is knocked down, but he's still got a gun on them. And he's, he's uh, going to shoot them if they move. And suddenly there's a whoosh. And... <laughs> Jeff has uh, come through and taps out the two cops. Um, by the way, we get a, a, a view of the, this, um, the one who's still uh, awake um, with his name tag saying Lobos. Hmm. I, I keep thinking that's a reference to Sheriff Lobo, which was a TV show a couple of years before that. Oh, nice. Good catch. Um, Sheriff Lobo just got beat up. Sure, Lobo just got beat up. So uh, Jeff Blur um, has grabbed both of their guns and uh, he says he was just following him because he was worried about them or something. Um, Randy, being a doctor, goes over and checks and says that one of them has a concussion. And, uh, you know, it's your speed. Even, you know, it's a love tap can be lethal at those speeds. And then the other one, he has a concussion and he's missing his trigger finger. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, nice going, Blur. <laughs> Stephanie uh, uses her healing power to get the one who just has a concussion um, healed up a bit. So he should be in, in decent shape. But, um, you know, the speed that Jeff uh, yanked that gun out of his hand just tore that guy's finger right off. So, ouch um and randy says that you know not even your power can reattach a finger and but she says you know uh if we find it we can take him to a hospital maybe they can reattach it you know he's a doctor but she's the one who comes up with that idea so uh, i don't know he's probably probably a little panicked yeah probably so Jeff finds the, the finger and he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. And yeah, yeah, we understand. Anyway, um, they, they, they make a plan and uh, Jeff uh, heads off to get uh, uh, to tell the others where the, what's going on. And he says, I'm going to hold on to these pieces, the guns, till I have a chance to wipe my fingerprints off. Which... <laughs> I'm not quite sure what's uh, up with Jeff that he knows so much about uh, scene of the crime uh, stuff here, but let's see. And then uh, Stephanie and Dave, uh, Randy each carry one of the cops back to their car, their patrol car. Um, Stephanie is a small woman, but she's carrying one of these grown men. Um, yeah, Randy's, she's doing fine and Randy's struggling. <laughs> Yeah, he seems to be having the worst of it. Actually. She's like, hey, I can carry both of them. No, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Don't emasculate me any further. <laughs> um, so they get back to the uh, trailer park where the rest of the paranormals are. And um, yeah, it seems like Randy blames himself because um, it was his idea to get the police involved. And uh, they get inside and Scuzz just is heard it about it from uh, 
Jeff, and he just thinks it's funny. Um, yeah. But uh, He's over there laughing at them and sizzling in his chair a little bit. <laughs> Heard you guys got a little action. Um, the others are uh, cleaning up. It's you know, Dave's uh, trailer home, and uh, Dave takes up like 80% of the space just by himself now. So. Yeah, holding a tiny little broom. <laughs> um, so they come back and they say, maybe we should just get out of here as quickly as possible. Um, and um, he's, Dave goes out to uh, hook up his truck um, to the trailer home so they can just, everyone can just stay in that and he'll just pull it. And that's how yeah. they'll leave. Um, I missed something there. So um, we have a little, you know, Dave thinking to himself uh, about his life before everything became paranormal. And um, back inside, Scuzz is uh, uh, watching TV or something. Dave, when Dave cuts the power and says they're ready to go. So Randy offers to go right up front with him and they hit it off. When he gets in the car, uh, Dave tells him, you know, you don't have to volunteer quite so quickly. I was kind of hoping Stephanie would uh, ride up here with me. But, um... Sorry, pal. Need I remind you, she's still married. And yeah, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm just, I just like being near her. Okay, okay. Bad decisions and wet blanket, man. He's really screwing up everything. So uh, we only get a, a quick shot of one of his neighbors being like, who can world can be up at this hour? David Landers. And uh, <laughs> Orville, wake up. <laughs> nosy neighbor there. I don't know. I, uh, we're off on the road, and the um, Dave's uh, truck, pickup truck, is towing this thing. And uh, they uh, have some time to talk inside. Um, Jeff, who had been taking the, I guess, the cops patrol car to a hospital yeah so he's going to drive them to the hospital drop them off and then run back okay yeah as okay yeah i missed part a part of that yeah there's, um, there's a ton of text in dp7 it's hard to uh hard to keep it all straight yeah sometimes they're just they're talking about the big plan that they're working on and sometimes they're just you know oh i'm really into stephanie and i wish she was riding with me and, yeah but yeah it's <laughs> it's a lot to keep up with i was saying about star brand doesn't have a lot of narration boxes and i think dp7 is it's all tech like dialogue or thought balloons so it's not like an omniscient narrator is is uh, saying something about these characters they're just talking to each other a lot or yeah. thinking about each other a lot so yeah, the narration boxes in like Cyforce and Merc are excellent though. So they're back to the trailer park. Um, there's a couple of these cops are, uh, oh, well. Yeah. Jeff has caught up with them on the highway. So moving on back to the trailer park, a couple of the cops uh, who uh, are saying that. Um, Someone they, who know that someone bushwhacked Gus and Artie, the two cops we saw in the first place. Was it Gus um, Lobos or Artie Lobos? I think Artie was Lobos. 
because I think he said Gus to the one who got knocked out first. Ah. Uh. Lobos. Whatever. Um, and suddenly they are shot with the tranquilizer guns from the uh, hunters. Shrapnel, Bloodhound, and vice versa are back up. And they just, they're like, um, they realize their, um, their quarry is no longer in the vicinity. And so they, um, they say, let's strip the policemen and try to pick up their trail. It's a bad day to be a cop in this episode here. <laughs> a lot going on and uh, nowhere. Getting tranked, so. losing fingers. Um, so morning comes and the trailer is outside of a like a convenience store. Yeah, and, it's like a gas station convenience store. Yeah, yeah. And inside they're cooking and sitting around eating breakfast. Um and they're talking. Um, Stephanie is helping cook, and then she gets upset. And uh, Lenora realizes she misses her children. Um, Steph uh, offers to help cook, and they talk about what they should do. Um, they still know they're being hunted, but. They're worried about uh, if they can go home, if they'll be all tracked or something. Um, so Stephanie wants to go home. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, it's like clearly they've been sort of harassed since they've left, right? They haven't had much of a free moment, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't hit it in the in the beginning, but this is still only a couple days maybe since they left the clinic. So these first three issues are all just one long chase. Um, getting away from the clinic in the first place. And um, let's see. Stephanie is worried about her children. She's a young, like early 20s, I think, with a uh, mm-hmm. housewife with three young children. And she really wants, you know, misses them and wants to go see what's going on. And uh, of course, Dave is happy to help out with her and is offers to uh, take the um, drive us all drive them all to to her town to go check on them and while some of them the other people are a little concerned about this there's some discussion but randy realizes he's uh had a lot of bad ideas lately so maybe he kind of clams up yeah, I think mainly Mastodon has overruled him because he's big and it's his truck and he likes Stephanie a lot, so he's going to make her happy. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Uh, maybe time for Randy to take a back seat. <laughs> he's not, uh, <laughs> he's not making all the best calls here. Yeah. So um, out on the road, um, Lenore has, is riding up front with Randy and... Uh, this is interesting. She says, I simply cannot believe that the whole clinic is disreputable. I believe it is just one or two people in upper management. And uh, that's an interesting theory. So, but um, Randy notices a police car behind us with its light flashing. And uh, he doesn't have his license with him. And apparently in Wisconsin, there's a little um, sidebar note telling us that it's. Uh, against the law to drive with people in the back of your trailer there. I don't know if that's a a universal thing now, but 
the time in Wisconsin that was for, uh, forbidden. So, um, Jeff, luckily, they send out of the trailer to uh, go check on these cops um, at his speed. You know, he can get around without being seen. And he goes back and immediately recognizes the three hunters from the clinic. Holy jumping Joe, it's the hunters decked out like cops. Yeah. So they, they he speeds up, goes, tells Lenore and Randy. Hmm? Yeah, they didn't have an extra uniform for vice versa. So she's just riding in the back looking sad. Their, yeah. Their jumpsuits were all green and sort of cop like anyway, but yeah, she didn't have a cop uniform. Yeah, what That's would they do without okay. Blur, man? He saved, saves them time and time again. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know why it, it like Blur is one of the one few that I always sort of think of as his code name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah, he is always in motion, and it's it's a speed is a good um, superpower. That's all I can tell you. It works as like invisibility because you can sort of buzz around too quickly for people to see you. Um, telemetry like far scene or something you're like you just go there and come back and report yeah. on it. finger removal <laughs> uh so they don't quite know what to do um so randy says maybe i'll just keep driving and see what happens another crazy randy now. decision <laughs> so but back in the cop car the hunters say they must know it's us um so they argue a little about which of their powers they can use um and inside the trailer scuzz and uh, charlie are arguing about trying to use their powers scuzz's only works by touch so he's he can't do anything charlie can stop things with friction but she can't see the car too well or the steering wheel or the brakes, whatever other ideas they have. So a bunch of arguments sort of in a, in a car, in the trailer. Um, and nothing they're doing is working because uh, suddenly one of the, um, I guess his name's Shrapnel, fires a gas grenade into the trailer. Uh, yep. <laughs> Blur, you know, picks it up, whips it right back at them. And a uh, second uh, gas grenade goes up against uh, Dave, who just sort of shrugs it off yeah it takes it in the chest and it bounces right back out the window randy says i've got to help them force my antibody out of me against its will Mm. (laughs) now go get them so the antibody just does as it's told it immediately attacks bloodhound who's driving giving him a bear hug kind of um, they can't see the other the shrapnel tries to grab the steering wheel, but that uh, cop car just goes right off the highway. Shoot! And uh, it, it heads down a hill. It looks like it's bounced in around. It's pretty yeah. banged up. Randy stops uh, the car. Oh my God, my antibody did that. I just, I told Jeff he wasn't being careful enough. I've got to help them. Uh, oh man he's struggling he he doesn't quite realize the situation he's in uh, still 
after three issues that um yeah he's 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 got to sort of yeah, reorganize re reorganize his priorities here um, yeah the clinic is not going to be stopped um they're not going to just stop and the police are going to be on their side so Randy doesn't really think of himself as a fugitive running from the law, but that's what he is now. So he has to sort of play by a different set of rules. That's the kind of argument you, he gets from Jeff uh, and Dave, who are like, where do you think you're going, man? Um, these guys, you ain't doing nothing. This is Jeff talking. These guys ain't regular cops doing their duty and getting messed up for it. These are goons from the clinic who twice tried to ace us. We don't owe them squat. Um, you pull them out of the wreck, they'll just get on our cases again. And Dave comes up. He's right, Randy. But they may die unless I let them croak, the buzzards. You go help them, man, and I've had it with you. We'll drive off without you. So help me. So... They, he gets back in the trailer and they take off. And uh, he's sort of kicking himself as they're driving along. Um, but uh, Jeff offers to go back and check on them. Um, and <laughs> let's see. The, oh, the antibody comes back. And, you know, it's power to tell you what it has seen and experienced, then tells Randy that it actually pulled out the hunters from the car before it uh, burst into flames. Ah, I pulled them free of the wreck and checked for vital signs. So, according to the antibody, the hunters didn't die in the crash after all. So everyone, that makes him feel better, but everyone else is like, oh, great, here we go again. Yep. And everybody else is probably right. Yeah, 100%. Um, Dave has uh, and uh, Jeff have uh, offered to take Stephanie home to um, visit her children. Yep. Oregon's about, I guess, halfway from where they were to Milwaukee, where they were thinking of going. And Dave gets to ride in the front seat with her now, too. So it's a win all around. Yeah. She talks a little about how uh, her husband was was really unhappy when she sort of suddenly developed these powers and was either scared or disgusted by them. But uh, anyway, she's like, "Oh, thanks, Dave. It was sweet of you and Jeff to drive me into town." And he goes, she gives him a peck on the, the cheek. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. So she she gets in there and it's uh, like a dump. Yeah. <laughs> Beer and Chinese food cartons and junk all over TV tray. It's, it's a nice house in the suburbs. Um, but yeah, the, it's like very much like the guy is reverted to bachelor pad style. And um, he literally has a t-shirt saying, I'm the boss. Yeah. We get the feeling he's, he's a Chuck. Her husband is kind of a um, jerk. Very self-centered, and he really is not into um, paranormal activity. Yeah, mustache plus I'm the boss shirt equals not a good dude. Yeah, I. There was like a. I don't know. There's a lot of these uh, character actors. I think in the '70s, maybe early 
early 80s, you'd see in all kinds of TV shows. And this is basically, yeah, bad dude. You wouldn't trust this dude with anything or you know, ask him for help. Anyway, she comes back. Um, he's put the kids with his ma or her ma um, because he, he, you know, he's working. So he's got excuses, but we can tell he basically just didn't feel like dealing with them. It's yeah, as we say, the there's dishes in the in the sink, all kinds of stuff all over the couch. Um, yeah, he's let the place go completely and without any kids around to to blame the mess. Anyway, he's like, uh, don't no, don't cry. Look, I'll go make you some tea. Goes into the kitchen and immediately drops a dime to the clinic. Yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, you, you, my wife did show up like you warned me. I see. Yeah, I'll keep her busy for a while. Wow. What a turd. So he comes back out and they talk about, now listen, baby, I'm sorry I got steamed and upset you. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so let's see. So tell me more about the clinic. So 20 minutes later, um, Jeff and Dave are talking. It's like, oh, she still hasn't signaled anything. What do you think's going on in there? And Jeff thinks, what do you, th what do you think goes on between married people, pal? They got a month of uh, marital bliss to catch up on. This is a very naive view of marital life. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um, so... Dave, uh, Dave and he are waiting outside and there's a car coming down the road and we see inside that it's the hunters again, now dressed up in suits, shrapnel and uh, bloodhound in the front and vice versa in the by. I love that and, these guys uh, like to disguise themselves a lot. I, there's suddenly we, we start getting some more uh, comedy here, I, I think from these guys. Um, they, they, they realize that the a couple of the guys are looking for our, our head and uh, they drop vice versa off and she goes around on so they hit him from the side from the sidewalk. Luckily, Jeff um, takes off at that time. He's going to find a bathroom, I think. And um, so the two others, Shrapnel and Bloodhound, pull up in their car next to Dave. And uh, excuse me, do you know where the Curtis Road is? Huh? Um, no, I. And then this classic line. Oh yeah, Rapnel. Have some hot psychoplasm, monkey boy. <laughs> Basic explodes. Um, something about Shrapnel here. He he his face expression here and that that something about the monkey boy reminds me of uh, Scatman Brothers. Hmm. So, actor singer i don't know it's a uh, i don't know it's it's a, a a very amusing scene dave is uh, immediately bowled over ah my eyes burn uh, shrapnel gets out and puts a few tranquilizer bullets into him and says that his skin erupting doesn't really feel so great either but um, then they say, let's go inside. And Shrek says, I got to remember to act perfectly normal around the broad's husband. 
don't want him to get the idea the clinic employees are the weirdos he treats. <laughs> don't mind the steaming psychoplasmic sores on my face. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jeff comes back and uh, vice versa hits him from the shadows with uh, from the Charbury with uh, her reversal power. So it's uh, knocks him back and then she tries firing a tr- tranquilizer at him. Inside, Stephanie um, recognizes the hunters and um, they sort of act like, you know, concerned cops. Yeah, they don't want to tip off the husband. And uh, she's like, Chuck, do something. Wait, it's you. You called them, didn't you, Chuck? You, she gets ready to cuss them out. Um, Stephanie uh, is still strong, knocks back shrapnel into the door and then runs past him into the uh, front of the front yard. Uh, uh, Vice versa comes over to check on Jeff and realizes he's still blurry, so he's probably not out. And he says, uh, oh, I caught your darts, and now I'm going to use them on on you. So he acts like he's going to throw them at her. So she's like, okay, I'll use my power to reverse the direction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he throws them backwards behind him, so she reverses them right into herself. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. What a maroon thinking I hadn't doped out her gimmick yet. Um, nice yeah. job. Again, Jeff. Yeah, smart stuff from these guys. Stephanie uh, and Jeff um, sort of move Dave over, who's completely tranked out, and they Jeff um, drives them off, and they are out of there. And uh, just leaving... Shrapnel and Bloodhound standing in the doorway. They've done it again. We're in deep sweat now. Next, the Wampus. The Wampus. (laughs) Who even knows what that means? I I actually tried looking up the Wampus. Is it a, um, I thought it was like a, what, a cryptid? Well, I mean, the the comic spells it W-O, Wampus. Um, there was like a 70s text video game, which was Hunt the Wumpus, W-U, which comes up when you Google search Wumpus. Um, there is a Wampus Woods in South Carolina. You know, it's some kind of discount Sasquatch kind of deal. Uh, but, you know, yeah. not a mainstream sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, I think the uh, W-A-M-P-U-S is the more likely hit on wampus as some sort of strange objectionable person or thing but yeah also <laughs> don't use urban dictionary to look up things <laughs> that's all i'll say about that one <laughs> okay but yeah there's the, a great moment when uh, jeff was running back uh, uh before he runs into vice versa and he's he's singing as he runs uh you know, ease on down the road from the Wiz musical, a Diana Ro- Diana Ross song, apparently. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember that. The um, is that yeah, he had been just looking for a bathroom. Is that the the Wiz that he was looking for? 
Oh, yeah, even better connection, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Good stuff. Smart writers uh, on our hands here. <laughs> Let's see. Um, yeah, we had a, a good good issue here i mean it maintains the momentum i guess at this point i'm i'm resigned to their like like it's whatever it's not i'm not expecting the x-men anymore i'm expecting the fugitive you know what i mean yeah it's definitely way more fugitive than x-men they are not a superhero team yeah they're not gonna like have a training um room danger room or anything they are just running and you know when they think of something clever to do they'll use it but they're not um, developing their powers in a useful way or anything yeah and they don't have an obvious leader too which i kind of like you know like i think since we started the comic with randy uh you know you i still kind of assume you know maybe just again kind of regular white guy doctor leader kind of thing but really he isn't like issued by issue there certain people take charge of certain situations um but you know there's no consensus let's follow this guy or he knows what he's doing or these sort of things they're just winging it as they go yeah yeah and i mean that all i like it plays well um the verisimilitude of that is pretty good yeah I guess that's exactly how I would react to um, So yeah, Randy has definitely had a couple of uh, bum ideas this, this issue. Um, yeah, really, he's trying to do the right thing at a time when it's kind of impossible, right? You know, like he doesn't yeah. want to leave the hunters for dead. He'd like to, you know, use the police, uh, you know, get some sort of real legal sort of justice here but it's just not going to happen yeah it's the, the more he tries to yeah do like a normal response to things yeah um the less successful it is so, absolutely so i don't know if i mean it's according to them it's only two months past the white event i guess or i'm not even sure they ever put it together that that's where their powers came from so it's yeah. uh, not enough time for the world to adjust to whatever is going on, probably. Yeah, um, and certainly we're still in a world in the new universe where normal folks, so really nobody outside of these secretive organizations, uh, like know that there's something going on that there and that there are superpowered people, right? So, you know, they've right. had. I guess that'd be. Uh, that be- I think became a, a point of contention in the new universe was whether it was supposed to stay, you know, completely the world outside your window or that like didn't once the white event happened, it was supposed to be diverging. You know, the more these sort of events and paranormal activities took off, like that world would diverge from whatever we see in normal day to day life. Some people thought, I guess, that everything would stay completely normal looking and it would all be a secret war sort of behind the scenes. Yeah, it's kind of tough because you, if you try and keep everything very like normal, non-super world 1986, 
you know, as the stories go on, that limits what you can do with them, you know, you know limits things to be, being kind of small scale for some of these uh, comics. But then, you know, if you go for it, right, and, and you know, allow that world to diverge, then, you know, 20 issues down the line, then you're back to the Marvel Universe, right? Where <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's huge superhero battles on the streets of Manhattan and everyone's just sort of, yeah, whatever. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So it's tricky, tricky to deal with, I guess. But um, because you don't want to lose what makes it special. But I guess storytelling overall, right? If you can come up with a good story to tell uh, without trashing your universe, then it's probably a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I thought about that also in terms of like Spitfire. Um, like technology was um, also considered like uh, maybe this is too advanced to be realistic. And it's like, okay, well, it's movie realistic for one. I mean, you don't want to be like the most boring version of everything possible. That's the only yeah. answer you can have. But, um, but yeah, like developing things would have been interesting if they'd have had time to sort of progress um, Say these these um, construction suits technology over a couple of years and show like it's like a Walkman. Suddenly, everyone has a robot in their garden. You know, a couple of years later, I don't know. Or at least, a, at least a good that. solid set of power arms. <laughs> we all want one of those. Well, I'm, I'm, perhaps we're getting more deep into discussions before we wrap up DP7 this week, though. Um, let me see. The I liked that they sort of focus on half the team at a time. Um, you know, he kind of keeps it to, like, just two or three of the paranormals in a fight or in a situation, usually. And so it doesn't sort of overwhelm you with all these random powers flying around and everything. Yeah, and you get more of the character, uh, individual characters out of it that way. So that's good structure. Um, it's the convenience of our hunters having those tranquilizers. <laughs> a lot of those. Yeah. Um. I'm, yeah. They don't. They didn't kill anyone either. So. Yeah, this is interesting. Like none of them are trying to kill each other, <laughs> right? An yeah. yeah, because I guess the paranormals realize that or at least the clinic thinks of them as resources you know so if they can catch them and they can convert them to their purposes and as you can imagine these unusual people with unusual powers are hard to come by so do everything you can to to make sure you're not killing them except as a last resort um let's see there was something that the last time we saw they were doing remote viewing from the clinic, like they were watching through someone's eyes with one of the powers they had back there. Yeah. And they didn't mention that at all this time. Um, so it's hard to say if we'll get back to that uh, approach where there just wasn't time this time because they, they were kind of on the trail the whole time. But, um, yeah, or maybe the, the hunters lost communication a little bit, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So 
that's another sort of angle that they're not even aware of that they're being sort of watched uh, telepathically. So, um, yeah. So you want to grade our issue? We'll also give this a B plus. All right. I think it was strong. DP seven is very consistently, um, I think, entertaining and has a lot of uh, what I enjoy in a comic. Yeah, good characters, good action. Yeah, it's it's, it's very well done. Uh, There's a fun issue. Uh, we got two action, uh, cool issues. Uh, it, my characters of the first couple months. You know, some of my favorites are these hunters with the uh, psychoplasmic <laughs> pimple popper and the smell hound. <laughs> yeah, so just uh, getting to see them in action and losing again and arguing with each other and. Yeah, even uh, vice versa was a little more fun this time around once you got uh, reversed herself a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go A minus as this one as well. You know, these these are these are good stories so far. So um, you know, no no hiccups. Nice. Yeah. The um, so what do we think overall of month of the issue threes? At this yeah. point, the the series should be really sort of settling down and you kind of know what to expect. Um, I'm not sure we, we really feel that way from, from some of them. Yeah, I was a little worried at first that we were going to start to run into problems with the creator changes, um, whether that's just an artist or uh, we've had a few writer changes and uh, Night Mask kind of had a fill-in issue as far as things go. but. Um, for me, it hasn't really missed a beat, right? It seems like things are still moving along pretty well. Um, you know, there's, there's still a lot to do because even three issues in, you know, I feel like there's characters we could get to know more and, you know, we're still dealing with the first conflict in DP7 and in Spitfire and, yeah. And yeah. Nobody I mean, really it's... settled down into any sort of pattern, uh, which maybe is the point too. So yeah yeah some of them jumped around a lot and some of them still feel like they're on a like four issue arc of you know um sort of like if if next issue this sort of initial um hunting from the clinic sort of um, wraps up in dp7 i'd feel like okay well that was a good sort of like a four issue mini kind of mini series kind of a feel to it in terms of the pacing yeah, I've read it before, but I don't remember it well enough. So it's still I'm I'm ready to be surprised by the next issue, uh, even though I've read the series before as far as things goes. But yeah, it's uh, that, yeah, the I think I, yeah, they're not writing for the trade paperback yet. Yes, yeah. See, that's it's a little early for that. So I, I feel also that I've been kind of trained or conditioned myself to expect this sort of pacing and like. Okay, now we're kind of spinning our wheels for the big payoff next issue. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, almost none of these series have trade paperbacks. I forgot to mention something in DP7. When the, Stephanie goes to see uh, her husband, he is watching a football game. And oh, he, right. It was yeah, Magna Conti, right? Then the announcer is saying Magna Conti is. Uh, and Nick Connie shoots a pass over the middle. It's complete. Yeah. 
is watching a Smashers game from Green Bay or something. He probably likes that cheater, uh, Mr. Magnificent, and his superpowered football, too. <laughs> I, I guess, actually, that's a good like layer of irony since he hates paranormal so much, too. He does, indeed. Yeah, yeah there's also but, a fun page where... Uh, uh, you know, the, they just flipped over the car from the hunters and uh, they're discussing you know what to do where uh, Randy's all worried and he hadn't realized that they're still alive yet and uh, Dennis is sitting there next to him looking at a magazine and, says, and thinking in his head nice headlights <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like a playboy or something <laughs> just that fun little stuff uh, yeah He's just over there. Yeah. So. Several of the DP7 didn't get much air uh, time this, this month, but um, like I said, Duke, you can, you can only focus on and really develop a handful at a time. So they've, they've sort of working with their limitations there. Um, yeah. Thankfully, we're not in the point where it's, you know, they're like calling out their attacks and like, well, then Lenore shows up and zaps two guys and yeah. and then they make the floor slippery. And, and so, yeah, the, um, so, but that's, that's the sort of continuity I, I was hoping we'd see is little bits of things that were, that you can sort of uh, feel like they're in the same world. Um, it's the most public um, group or title, you know, as, as like famous football people. I mean, you could have just everyone watching football. Um, yeah. Various issues as you went along would be would and be nice. But Kickers Inc. is I don't know, a public business too, right? So, you know, presumably they could reach out because they need help and they don't know where to turn and on sketchy legal ground. They're like, well, maybe Kickers Inc. can help us, right? Escape from the clinic. I don't yeah. think we ever got that, though that would have been kind of a fun team up. So that would have been way t a ton of characters. <laughs> yeah, uh, 12. Yeah, 12 guys all running around simultaneously. Um, let's see. So anything else we have this month that stuck out? Spitfire definitely is not going in the direction I was expecting. Justice keeps, like, going through characters that I think will stick around and then don't. So I force, I'm getting, I'm, I was kind of, you know, I felt it sort of settled into a good, good uh, approach. Um, and Merc, Merc was good action. I was a little, uh, Put off by the, the, the downer ending of it, but um, you know, terrorist attack on visiting politician, all that. Like, he's got to charge in there and save the day, and hope that no one's watching him on TV. It's <laughs> all good stuff. Yeah, it's hard to come down. It's hard to follow up that baseball issue, but I'm hoping that they go back to, uh, you know family drama and action too right um but Merck's in jail i guess next so we'll see maybe his son visits him in jail <laughs> i don't know 
could, could be some good stuff there. But yeah, it also, it, it's different too because you know, in, in reading them in this way, we get to kind of experience them really like once a month too. So it feels like we've been reading a lot of books, although none of them are very far along at this point too. So getting a lot of new universe, uh, but not a lot of each individual uh, series so far. Yeah, I think we uh, chatted off uh, Mike about um, this is almost more like a um, uh, like a weekly comic book um, coming out with the these related series. In fact, two a week, you can imagine, is a lot of work because back then, I think in the next couple of years, like Marvel does a biweekly comic with Marvel Comic Presents. And DC turns action into a weekly and gives up after less than a year. Yeah. Um, people, you know, it's really difficult to kind of keep these things going. And, uh, yes. Depending on how tightly they wanted to keep the continuity going with these things, um, it would quickly overpower you if you tried to overdo it. I mean, this was like equivalent to the whole line of Marvel two or three years into their uh, Silver Age classics. Where yeah, you had a, half a dozen titles going simultaneously. It's a big undertaking. Yes. Uh, yeah, so 24 uh, separate issues we've gone through so far. Let's feel like, wow, those are a lot of words, like you say. Yeah. Especially in DP7 has a lot of words. <laughs> we put a lot on the page back then. So, yeah. So, so next week we'll be covering Star Brand number four. Uh, when Star Brand encounters three superpowered paranormals, the result can only be combat, of course. Uh, written by Jim Shooter, penciled by John Romita Jr., inked by Al Williamson, and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters four. Uh, when a Middle Eastern terrorist called Steelhawk decides to steal the Max 2 armor, the safety of the free world is at stake. Can Jenny Swenson and her troubleshooters stop him? Written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Herb Trimpey, inked by Joe Sinout. And we'll see you back at the spinner rack.